the Summit Church on this very special Sunday morning. Happy Mother's Day to all my mothers out there. Today's going to be a great day. We're, gonna, we're about to worship the Lord, and I encourage you just to sing to your little heart's content right, at, right where you are. And then we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to talk about, ladies, what it means to be a helper. Ladies, you're going to be surprised by this, and men, you too. We're going to talk about what it means, ladies, to be submissive. So we're going there. And then we're going to end up with Titus chapter 2, where no matter whether you're single, divorced, widowed, or married, you have an opportunity to invest in the next generation of women. And I'm going to challenge you to do just that. So hang on. Father, I ask in the wonderful name of Jesus that you already begin to speak to us. Let us worship you for a fantastic Mother's Day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Good morning, everybody. Hope y'all are doing good. All right, let's get this thing started. You ready? There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujahs, and it's lasting. Thank you. 
moved by the sound of his voice and seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my
Good morning. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Happy Mother's Day to all my mamas out there. And in fact, before we even get started, can you do me a favor? Can we just take a minute and wave to one another? Okay, so I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three, and I just need you to wave at your screen. Okay, we're going to do this all together. No matter where you are, we're all going to look foolish, but we're going to wave to one another. So you ready? One, two, everybody in the room, three, Wait, hey, 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 good morning. Oh, I miss you so much. I miss all of you so very much. And it was good to see so many of you uh, this past Thursday for National Day of Prayer as we were uh, prayer walking around uh, not just the church building, but also for 15, 16, 17, 18 schools in Walton County alone. Uh, Summit Church went to and prayed through. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for your participating in that. It was an incredible, incredible time for me. In fact, in a moment, we're going to pause and we're going to pray together. Uh, And I hope you're going to bow your head and just spend some time with the Lord as we get into the message today. Today's one of those messages that for many times, pastors get a little bit nervous. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little nervous. Because ladies, here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate our moms. But I want to help our women, for the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about, ladies, how you can become the woman that God wants you to be. And I don't know of any Christian woman who desires to be more of what they are. And so, me, a man, preaching on the purpose and needs of a woman, what could possibly go wrong? But I hope you'll be praying for me as I pray, preach through this series. And then around Father's Day, men, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about what it means to be a man and how to be a good husband and a good father and a man of God. It's going to be a great time over the next two or three, four or five weeks. So, so will you bow your head with me? Let's spend some time praying together. Because, Father, we believe we are in one of the most momentous times in human history. And because of this pandemic that we call COVID-19... I believe, Father, it is not taking you by surprise. I believe everything that's happening is happening according to what you have seen and what you know. But, Lord, we don't. So, Lord, we lean onto your wisdom. We lean onto your mercy. We lean onto your grace that we trust you and you build our confidence in you that you are taking care of us, that you're healing us, that you're providing for us. And so, Lord, today is an opportunity just for us to worship and to say thank you for all that you're doing on behalf of ourselves as individuals, but also as our family and as a church family and as a nation. So, Lord, can we ask humbly that you just heal our nation, Lord, physically of this virus. Lord, I pray that you just, you just get rid of that virus altogether. But, Lord, in the meantime, I pray for the protection of, of all of those who are working with with the sick patients, the nurses, the doctors, the, the first responders. Lord, even those in grocery stores and, and restaurants. Lord, I pray your protection upon them as well. Father, there's so many other things as well. Even our own folks have been in and out of the hospitals this week. And Lord, I pray for their protection. And for those who've, who've lost loved ones this week, we pause and pray for your comfort. Lord, I ask that today you allow me to be a mouthpiece so that our ladies can be not only encouraged, but challenged. But Lord, not just for this time, for the next generation, and the generation after that. Lord, what an incredible, awesome responsibility we have to prepare and steer and model for the next generation. So Lord, I pray that as we open up our Bibles, that you begin to speak to us, encourage us, and challenge us. 
Lord, for our nation, we pray for a mighty revival. In this church, I pray for an incredible revival. But Lord, I also ask humbly that you give us as leadership the wisdom about when to reopen, how that process is going to look. But Lord, I trust that as you heal this country, Lord, we're not going to have to worry about all the steps we're going to have to take about reopening. So Lord, we're just going to trust you. Lord, thank you for taking good care of us as a church. And Lord, meet with us and speak to us. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody say amen with me. Amen, amen. All right, fantastic. Here's what we're going to do. Just like last week, I want to give you an opportunity that at the end of the message to ask some questions. Now, this one is, is, is one that usually kind of begins to kick up some thoughts. So what we've done is we've, we've got on our Facebook page, and now you can, at any time during the message, get a, a, on a private message, click the private message button on your Facebook page, and you can send a private message to Pastor Rick Black, who's sitting to my left. He's going to be reading all of these questions, and then he's going to come up at the end of the time. We're going to have a little interactive question and answer time, and we're going to have a little fun. But you're not going to throw me a question like you did last week. That was Rick's idea, not Stephanie's idea. I'd like to point that out. If you were watching where, where he said, hey, uh, there was a question, how do I get my husband to practice what he preaches? Yeah, that was not my wife. That was him. That was him. So, so I want to introduce my former minister of youth up here in a moment. No, I'm just kidding. I love this guy. I'm so honored about the people that I get to work with. And can I just take a moment and brag, brag, brag on the crew that has, has brought up the quality of our online worship in the last three or four or five weeks. Have you noticed the change? Have you noticed the quality? Not only is our camera, we've got a brand new camera. Not only is that being operated by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Scooter. But we also have, back in the back, Dan the Man is handling all the slides that you see on time. We have sound operated by Jordan back there. Uh, we got Tim standing back there. And then at home, we've got Eric, who's doing an incredible amount of work in the technical aspect. So, so would you just, where you're sitting, just show your appreciation and love these guys, because all of this would not be going on without the faithfulness of what they're doing. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to end up with Titus chapter 2. So again, in the process of the entire message, if you've got a question, get on private message of the Summit Baptist Church Facebook page and fire a question, and my friend Rick is going to come up, and he's going to try his best uh, to, to make me nervous. And, but we're going to answer these questions. I believe God's Word has all the answers that we need as we talk about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And last week we began really this diving into this, this complex issue that's just really not nearly as complex as we make it. As what does it mean to be a man and a woman in today's culture? So last week we started talking about Imagio Dei. Do you remember this? Imagio Dei, the image of God that we are created equally and completely and fully in the image of God. That there is nothing that you need to add. There is nothing you need to do. You have been created as a child of God completely and fully in the image of God. And because he has invested into you, he's given you what you need to live a life of satisfaction and fulfillment. So when we talk about uh, men and women, at the beginning of the message, I'm going to talk primarily to our husbands and wives, but then I'm going to move it to the end about all women. So ladies, no matter whether you're single or widowed or divorced or you are married, uh, this message, I believe, 
Every aspect of it, everyone can use. Now, men, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, this is not going to mean anything to me. Absolutely not. If you're a married man, you need to listen very, very carefully because the things we're going to talk about, helper and being submissive, this is actually, it's really a, a, a painful message for the men and it's a very good message for the women. So, men, I need you to listen. And if you're single, man, this is absolutely an incredible opportunity for you to learn and to avoid the pitfalls and the potholes that some of us experienced married men have jumped into two or three, four, five hundred times in the course of a marriage. So Genesis chapter 2 is where we want to begin. We've been asking the question, what's the difference between a man and a woman? Is it a biology issue? Is it a body part issue? What determines a man and a woman? Or is it a behavioral issue? Is it, is it, well, that guy acts like a man and she acts more like a woman. So that's how we determine the two. What we're going to discover over the next four or five weeks is that God has created in us a certain way of life and a certain role to function. And we're going to talk about, especially when we get to the, to the men, that there is a big, big difference between being male and being a man. And ladies, it's the same idea for you. There's a big difference be- between being female and being a woman of God. So over the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about this. Why? Because I want you to find the satisfaction of your Christian journey and also being fulfilled as a woman so that now you can look in the mirror and you can say, I am absolutely happy with where God has me and I'm growing in my relationship to become more like the image that God wants me to live. So Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. We're going to start in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. Read along with me. It says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a, listen, a helper fit for him. If you're okay writing in your Bibles, pen, crayon, mascara, underline that phrase, a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with its flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother And hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Can I I just, this is not on your notes, but there's something that jumps off the page at me before we ever begin. And that is, God created one Eve. I know you think that's kind of silly. One Eve. Men, listen to me. We need to value and treasure the women that God's put in our life, because there's only one just like them. I have my mother in the room with me. She's been with me this weekend celebrating Mother's Day. There's only one mama. I have a beautiful wife I've been married to for 24 years. There's only one Stephanie. I have two daughters. I have Samantha, Elizabeth. There's only one of those. Men, we need to value and treasure them, because there's only one of them. 
And so the way we love them, treat them, honor them, treat them as princesses. Because, listen, gang, there's only one of them. And all the men in the room said, thank God there's only one of them. Amen? I mean, I mean, I mean everything was going really smooth until that last part, right? All right, let's, let's get into Genesis chapter 2. Ladies, before we get to the phrase, a helper fit for him, men, I want you to notice that it talks about the man working and keeping the garden. Now, when we get into Father's Day, we're going to talk specifically about this verse again. What does it mean to work the garden, and what does it mean to keep the garden? Two different things. Men, come back to me on Father's Day. This is going to be a really important message for you. But ladies, let's talk about this phrase, helper, and then we're going to talk about the word, hello, submissive. Okay, and I am going there. But before we hit these two words, let's talk about what it means to, 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 to define these words the way they should be. So, for example, many times we take a verse out of the Scriptures, and especially we'll get to uh, Ephesians 5.22, when it says, Wives, be submissive to your husbands. We'll take a word, and we'll define it what we think that word means. And that is so dangerous. So, for example, the word fast, F-A-S-T. Uh, I'll say something like, Ethan Smith... Ethan Smith can run really fast, meaning we're, we're talking about a speed. Uh, we're gonna t- uh, Jeff Blankenship uh, should start a 30-day fast, which means he's going to do away with a certain part of his life so he can reconnect with God. Then we could say that there's, there's some businessmen and politicians that are fast in their dealings, which means they're a little bit shady. So the words we use, the, the word fast can be used in multiple different applications, but we, we only define that word based on the context of how we use it. You understand? So when we look at the word helper and we look at the word submissive, how about we decide right now, let's not define these words the way we, we've been taught in the past or what the culture is telling us what these words mean. How about we let God's word define what these two words mean? Can you do that for me? Say, uh-huh. All right, let's talk about the phrase, a helper fit for him. In fact, I'm actually going to break that up into two parts. Let's talk about the word helper for a minute. Because the word helper, it's a difficult word uh, to translate just by itself. So when we talk about this whole debate of what does it mean to be a helper? Uh, ladies, here's, if there's ever a question I get, it's this question. Do women, as a helper, serve in a subordinate role to men? That's a powerful question. And unfortunately, in our day and culture, boy, when people read about this outside of the gospel, they really like to put a negative spin on it. But you're going to be surprised what this word means. So does it mean that you, as a helper in the relationship with a man and your husband, does that make you inferior to him? So all across the world, I'm hearing shotguns cock. Because <laughs> you're waiting for the answer of how, what I'm going to say. So let me just put myself at ease and say the answer is no. Absolutely not. Because you are made completely and fully in the image of God. And there is nothing that needs to be added to you to fully complete the image that God has made in you. You are fully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You are not inferior to anyone on this earth because you are completely and equally, distinctly made in the image of God. Let me take you to an example to help you understand why I believe what I just said. 
Uh, there, and I gave in your notes, if you're able to download your notes and look at them, I gave you some, some scriptural references. Exodus chapter 18, verse 4 is a great one. We see the word Eliezer. Well, the back half of that word, E-Z-E-R, is actually a Hebrew word. It's a suffix. And so many times in, in Hebrew, they would take a suffix and add it to another word, just like a compound word that we do in English. And it, and it just it influences and it just adds to that Hebrew word. So in this case, E-Z-E-R is a Hebrew word that means God helping a man. God helping a man. E-Z-E-R. But in Exodus 18 verse 4, it says the name of the other was Eliezer. In other words, Eliezer means God was helping Eli. You understand? So E-Z-E-R, we have this incredible picture of our Heavenly Father in a role of a helper. Now I'll give you some other scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 7. Psalm 33 verse 20. There are so many others of God assuming the role of Ezer, E-Z-E-R, helping the man. God in the role of helper. Now, why am I spending my time here? Because, ladies, you have been called a helper fit for the husband. So, so wives, listen to me. You want to know if you are in an inferior or subordinate role? My answer is absolutely not. Why? Because God has also placed himself in the helping role. He is helping not just men, he's helping mankind. And so God being called a helper in all of the scriptures is bringing honor to the title and role and position of helper. So if God is assuming the role of helper, and because God is helper, and he's bringing honor to the role of helper, listen, God then, because he's a helper... You as a woman also called a helper cannot in any way, shape, or form consider yourself to be inferior. Are you really going to tell me that God is inferior when he's helping mankind? No. Because here's what we say. What does it mean to be a helper? Well, there's so many different books in, 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 in hermeneutical studies that we could dig into. You, you don't really care about all that. All I can tell you is, is the basic operation theme of what the word helper means. Coming alongside of someone with a primary responsibility. And you're helping that person who's in a primary role. So a helper is coming along someone who's already in a primary role. And you're helping that person to achieve that role. So let me give you an example. My incredible minister to our children is Miss Jenny Kent. If Jenny Kent were to knock on my office and say, hey, pastor, can you help me do a project? And I say, absolutely. I now become her helper. I'm coming alongside of her. She's the primary one in charge of the project. But I'm going to come alongside her and help her achieve the project. I am her helper. Now, in the same way, she comes to me and she asks me to help her in a project. So she's going to come along me, and I'm going to, and she's going to help me in my project. Now, what does this mean? In other words, it's not about strength. It's not about intelligence. It's not about character. It's not about position. It means you're coming along to help someone who's in a primary role, 
And you're helping them to achieve whatever that, that role is at the time or that project that they're in. So as a helper, you're coming along to help them achieve what they need assistance in. But now, so, so ladies, think of it like this. The only time you ask for help is when you are not able to complete the task by yourself. We understand? Say, uh-huh. But who do you ask for help? Do you ask for help for someone who is not qualified in the area that you need assistance? No. Okay, so if, if you're sick, we're not going to call Anthony Smith, who can fix any engine that exists, to help you because you're physically sick. No, Anthony's not qualified to take care of your body, but he can fix any engine in the world. So instead, you're going to ask someone in the medical profession. You're going to go to see a doctor or a nurse. Why? Because they're qualified. They're going to come alongside of you, and they're going to help you get well. But now if your car starts misbehaving, are you going to call your doctor? No. You're going to call Anthony Smith, because Anthony Smith can fix, everybody say it, everything. So in this way, the, the, the helper, listen, listen, the helper is more qualified than the primary person in responsibility. Because you only go to the person for help who's qualified, who can do what obviously you're in a position at that time in your life unable to do. Ladies, this is an incredible honor to be called a helper. God is calling you someone more qualified than the person in responsibility. In fact, the truth of the matter is, the person asking for help is the weaker partner in the relationship. How about that guy that when we ask for our wives to help us see the role of a man and we'll get to this in Father's Day is for our to make our homes flourish well our wives as helpers come alongside of us to help us help our houses flourish there are so many times in the last 24 years of my marriage that I scream for help and along comes my wife who is much more qualified, much more intelligent, much more beautiful than I, amen, thank you, and can help me make my family flourish. Is she inferior? No. In fact, she's more qualified in so many areas of raising a family. So ladies, the role of helper is such an incredible compliment because now we look at you as, as, as biblically, as husbands look to their wives, we look at you as the rescuers. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it, ladies. Can your home thrive if you're not there? Suddenly the room in here got quiet. Okay? And we know, we, we know what the answer is to be true. Ladies, you are indispensable. You are invaluable to us. So, ladies, this, this word helper is so important because now the phrase for him is even more important. A helper fit for him is simply that God has created you specifically to come alongside of him and to, listen, compliment him. So, where I would suggest in your relationship, in, in, in a biblical marriage relationship, is that husbands and wives should complement one another and not compete against one another. The danger in marriage relationships is when you begin competing for power and competing for control, that's when marriage relationships begin to get sticky. But what happens if you begin to operate in the roles that God created you? What happens if as a husband, I'm going to operate as what the Scriptures calls the headship, I'm going to make sure my family is going to 
flourish and thrive. And I've got a partner beside me who can come along beside me who is so qualified and so educated, so intelligent, and going to help me help my family thrive. When we operate into the roles that God's created in his blueprint, guess what? We complement one another. My weaknesses are her strengths, and her strengths are my weaknesses. And and we're not even going to go there. Because at this point in the relationship, we are complimenting because now what I'm unable to do, she does. And what she's unable to do, I can help with. It's a complimenting relationship. But instead, what I've discovered many times in relationships where they they begin to to, to hiccup and, and maybe grow distant apart... Is because now the relationships are more competing when they should be complementing one another. Listen, folks, this is just the way God created the relationship. And I can tell you, again, the years that I've been married, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't at all feel like I've been married for 24 years. I don't even look 24. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. You're, you're my favorite church member. But here's what, I, here's what I know. When marriages operate in this, this complementary role, you know what happens? Joy is flourishing in the marriage. I mean joy. I mean absolute joy. But not only that, God gets glory. God looks at our marriages, and when he sees us operating in the context and the blueprint that we're supposed to be operating in, I believe it gives God great glory. And, and more than that, other couples and other people begin to look at your marriage, and though they may not agree with everything you believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can look at your marriage and say, you know what, that's what I want my marriage to look like. Complimentary, not competing. So let's do this. Let's take a few minutes and let's try to implement some of this stuff. Because it's one thing to talk about. It's a whole other thing to do it, right? So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 is this incredible uh, passage to husbands and wives. Now hang on. If you're single, widowed, divorced, be patient. I'm going to come in just a minute. But let me just finish talking to my married couples for a minute. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, this is the most talked about passage of scripture if anything in marriage relationships is verse 22 verse 22 of ephesians chapter 5 says wives submit to your husbands okay now the danger about this is again is taking that word out of context so before we can talk about wives submitting to your husbands in verse 22 we all need to go to verse 21 where it says submit yourselves to one another submit yourselves to one another mutual submission you know what mutual submission means it means as the head of my family as my job is to help my family flourish now i sacrificially begin to defer to the people in my home so that i can help them flourish so for example if there's um I'll give you a great example. When uh, the Merritt family was first contacted about moving to Loganville, Georgia, first person I went to was my wife. And we began to talk about it. We began to pray about it. Well, then when we began to really sense that God was up to something, I went to my three children. And I said, I need you to be praying about this because you're just as much a part of my family as I am. So we, together we begin to pray, God, is this what you want? God, are you going to take us there? When is this going to happen? How is it going to look? And when the time came for us to make a decision, 
all five of us were equally together, so we were flourishing in this uh, decision to move. Now, what would have been a horrible thing for me to do is for me to walk into the home and surprise everybody and say, all right, everybody pack up, we're going to move. It would be a horrible thing for me to come into her and say, all right, woman, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. And all the women in the room said, Amen, okay? It'd be a horrible thing to do. Why? Because that's not sacrificial love. That's not mutual submission. So, ladies, there's this aspect of of submitting to your husband that the men need to understand. That as a man leading my marriage, as a man leading my family, ladies, there's a part of me that I have to give you something willing to follow. How can I expect you to come alongside me and help me and compliment me? And how can I expect you not to compete against me if I'm not giving you something biblical to follow? So, men, the challenge to me and to you is we need to be living and loving and leading biblically so that our wives are encouraged to live and love and lead in the roles that God's created them to live. So, 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 so the... The, the crux of wives submit to your husbands, it falls on us, doesn't it, guys? See, and that's why in verse 21, mutual submission comes before verse 22, and then verse 25, for men, where it says, men, we should love our wives as Christ loved the church and give our lives down for her. It all starts with this sacrificial love of mutual submission. Do you see how this works? It's a simple and yet elegant, beautiful way that God's created our marriages to thrive and to operate in. So what if you're not married? What if you're divorced? What if you've gone to the tragedy of divorce? Or worse, what if your husband has gone on to be with the Lord? So what does that mean for you? Does this mean your life is over and your usefulness is done? Absolutely not. So if you're a mom and you're a single mom, uh, maybe your husband's gone on and you're raising your kids on your own, or maybe there's a divorce that's happened and you're raising your family. Maybe you've never been married, and maybe you have no children at all. What does this mean for you? Well, in Titus chapter 2, there is an incredible passage here that, boy, it just takes all of these things we've talked about and it rolls it up into one. No matter what your age is or your stage is. Titus chapter 2. Will you read along with me in verse 2? It starts off talking to the men. So so men, I need you to pay attention to this first couple of verses. Titus chapter 2 verse 2 says this. Older men, you are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in your faith, sound in your love, and sound in your steadfastness. Now look at me. Everybody look at me. Ladies, if you're single and you're looking for a man, this is the ultimate definition of masculinity right here. Don't let our culture and don't let Hollywood tell you what a masculinity of a man looks like. And I can tell you, they've got it all wrong. The definition of masculinity is right here in verse 2. Sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, Sound in their faith, sound in their love, and sound in their steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, there's that word again, pure 
working at home, let me stop here. I do not believe this is saying that all women should stay at home and they're not allowed to work. I don't believe that at all. In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, there is a very important practice of the women making a lot of the money in the home, running the businesses of the home. But it goes on. Kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be, uh, different versions say, reviled or dishonored. But then it says this, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. It just seems like that, that last sentence is tacked on. But if you understand, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, that's fascinating because just up one verse it says that the older women should be self-controlled. Do you see this? Encourage the young women to be self-controlled. You know what this means? There's a message to all of us in the world today, everybody. Everybody needs to breathe. Everybody needs to chill out. Power down, self-control, hold our mouths, hold our attitudes. Can I just say it? Stay off Facebook. Don't share the, your business with the world. Okay, it's not that we don't love you, we just don't care. Amen? Okay? Be self I'm going to get an email for that one, I can promise you. You can send me an email at pastorrick at thesummitchurch.com. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. We are going to be self-controlled. In other words, don't fly off the handle. Uh, Men, this is more to us, I think, than anyone. And let me say it this way. Men, how much damage have we done to the women in our lives because we can't hold our mouth? How much damage have we done to the people in our church body because we can't keep our mouths closed? Or because we say something that stings? Or because we post something that's just a derogatory compliment. Men, we need to be careful. And this is why this complimentary relationship, this is what's being referred to. Men, you want your wives to be uh, encouraging you? Well, then you need to be encouraging her. Hey, do you want your kids to be honoring to you? Well, then you need to be honoring to them. It's a complementary relationship. And we can also apply this in every friendship and every relationship we have in our own lives. It's a complementary world. Self-controlled is such a huge word. In fact, how many of you, if you've gone through live like Jesus lived, what's the last fruit of the Spirit? Wait, hold it. What is it? Oh, wait. Self-control. An evidence of the Holy Spirit of God flowing through your body is that you power down and you control yourself and your words and your actions. Boy, this is so important. But then it gets into this list for the women, that older women are to be training younger women. And what what, what are you supposed to train these younger women in, ladies? To love your husbands, to love their children, to be, wait, (laughs) self-controlled, pure, 
to work hard, to be kind and submissive. You know what this means? It means teach them to honor their husbands in public. Teach them to compliment their husbands in front of their husband's friends. Teach them how to make their husbands want to hurry home from work and play with the kids or to take care of the home. Teach them what it means to work hard. Teach these young women how to work hard in all the areas of their life. Teach them how to be kind. There's incredible responsibility here, ladies, that despite no matter whether you're single, divorced, married, or widowed, you have an incredible power here. In fact, one of the things I've discovered in my own life is that ladies, you have an incredible influence into this discipling process of this next generation. And I'll say it a million times. There are churches all across America that if it weren't for the women, the churches would fold. And that's a tragedy. And it's a message to the men that you can trust. I'm going to go in a few weeks when I'm talking to the men. But ladies, can I just tell you how valuable you are to Summit Church? How indispensable you are to the operations of Summit Church? And I can promise you, I can promise you, I honor you and I want you to thrive. I want you to be successful. I want you as a mama to be thrilled that you're discipling not just your own children and grandchildren, but the children of everyone else in our church building. I want you to be satisfied and fulfilled in the role, not just as a mother, but as a woman. And you know why? Because when you're fulfilled and you're satisfied and you're influential and you're making an impact in other people's lives... Not only that, but now everyone else is operating in that same context. And the power that happens on a campus when everyone is operating in their spiritual giftedness and roles. Let me tell you something, folks. That's a power to be reckoned with. And that's what I want for Summit Church. And that's what Loganville needs. That's what Walton County needs. That's what the world needs to see. Men and women of God operating in the context that God's created us to live and the roles that God created us to live, complementary and not competing. Let me, let me end it with this way. Um, ladies, let me brag on you. The amount of power that you have in the souls and hearts of not just your husbands, but of young men and women, the amount of power that you have is staggering. And I'll give you an example. At the end of church service, inevitably someone's going to come up to me and we're going to be having a conversation. But usually, and it doesn't happen every week, but usually someone's going to come up and say, well, the music was too loud and why don't we sing more hymns and the room was too dark and the room was too cold. And, and you know what? I've done this for so long, I've developed a thick skin and it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Usually I'm just kind of roll my eyes like, well, you know, Maybe that's why they didn't call you to be the pastor. You know, that's kind of what I'd like to say, but I don't. So I develop a thick skin. But you know what would happen? My wife can cut me to the bone. My wife has got a power in her words that are far more powerful and far more influential than anyone in this room right now. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I have given her that influence. I have given her that impact. In fact, it's her words that keep me up at night, not yours. And the power, ladies, that you hold in your words, 
is absolutely vital to building up or tearing down the people in your lives. That's why he stresses to be kind and submissive. I beg you, ladies, to let those words that come out of your mouth change lives and build lives and create life instead of death. Because I'm telling you, ladies, you've got more power than you think you do. So if your children are small, oh, teach them how much God loves them. Teach them how much God wants to be their friend. But as your kids get older and, and the control phrase begins to, to, to step aside, now you're more in the influence stage. You know what? I am 50 years old. My mother still has a tremendous influence on my life. The words that she says in my life is still powerful, and I listen to everything she says. Ladies, it doesn't matter how old your children may be. Wield that influence that God has given you and yield it for the glory and for the gospel. Because I'm telling you, you can change lives. Now, how do I say this? Let me, um, how, how can I talk to you if you're a single woman? And let me kind of wrap this up. If you're single, widow, divorced. If, really, if you're, if you're just a young lady and you're not married, um, you're looking for that perfect guy or you're trying to figure out what your life is. Does this mean because you don't have children, your life is not uh, fully complete if, or maybe you're divorced and has your life lost its meaning? Let, let me talk to you for a minute. Uh, in the Old Testament, the blessing of a woman was children. But in the New Testament, the blessing of a Christian is Disciples. Meaning the measurement had changed. In the Old Testament, if a woman had not just one child but several, we would say that woman was blessed. But in the New Testament, we see a definition that's different. As a New Testament Christian, and we see the success of an individual is measured by the disciples that they create. Do you see the difference? So ladies, what I would challenge you, whether you're a single person or married or, or not, I would tell you this that I would encourage you to, uh, first of all, stop looking for a man because he's not going to complete you. But instead, what I would encourage you to do is to run just as fast as you can up to the mission that God's given you. And you train and you teach and you develop and you take that hill and you take that mountain and you begin to speak into the next generation and you begin to encourage them and love them and prune them and challenge them. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are women in my life, older women that over the years have spoken into me. In fact, I was thinking about this yesterday and I even put a Facebook post about it. That there are women throughout my entire life, my, my, my best friend's mom, uh, she's fed me so many times. If it went for her, I probably would have been dead. Uh, I've got people in my church that, that not only that changed my diaper as a little boy, but on youth trips, Rick, they probably threatened me and probably had to discipline me in some way because I was not exactly, I know you're going to be surprised by this, a perfect little child. I was in Boy Scouts and I had the, the, the moms of other friends of mine who would pour in their lives into me. I mean, there are so many women that developed me into who I am. The blessing of a New Testament woman is not children. The blessing of a New Testament woman is how many disciples have you created? How many disciples of the next generation have you mentored? 
And have you encouraged to grow into the woman that God's called them to be? So you see, we, we need to get a better handle on this. And so ladies, where I'm going to challenge you over the next few minutes is this. To grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. To strengthen your mind. <laughs> Don't be intimidated that you probably know more theology than your husband. Or that you know more theology than the average man in the church building. Because the truth of the matter is you probably do. Practice and exercise your spiritual gifts. Be the type of woman that is, that is sharpening the other men and women that are around you. And that is so true. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a room for a Can I tell you a funny story? I'm going to chase a rabbit. When I was in college, I was driving down the road and I saw a really cute young lady who had, had a, a flat tire. And this is long before I ever met Stephanie. But I was going down the road and I see this young lady and she's got a flat tire. And I thought, this is going to be a great opportunity. I'm going to share the gospel with her. I'm going to change her life. I was so arrogant. I pulled over and I began changing her tire. And I began to share the gospel with her. And she began to quote scripture that I'd never heard of. I mean, she whipped my theological behind. She was also a Mormon. And I began to talk to her about getting saved. And she began to talk to me about being a Mormon. And I didn't have any answers. And when I changed that tire, I got in my little truck and I got away from her as fast as I possibly could. And when I came into my dorm room, I remember my roommate looking at me and he says, what happened to you? I said, I just got beat up by a woman. Listen, ladies, don't be ashamed of that. In fact, thrive in that because that's what this next generation needs. So here's my question. What would happen if you stepped into that role? What would happen as a mom if you stepped into the role of discipling your children no matter what age they are? What would happen if you stepped into the role of encouraging your husband in front of his buddies? What would happen if, if you're a single lady and you began stepping into encouraging and mentoring the girls that are younger than you? What would that change in the context of the world where we're living? What if, ladies, you began becoming an expert in your husband's strengths instead of his weaknesses? What if, ladies, you became his biggest cheerleader instead of his biggest critique? Ladies, do you see the power that you have? See, I believe God has something more for you. And I believe for too long, for too long, either we have done this or you have convinced yourself of this, that you're not nearly as important as you think you are. Listen to me. You are invaluable. You're indispensable. You are necessary and you are needed. And my challenge to you is that you would make your Christian journey of becoming the woman that God has for you to be a never-ending journey. That you would tell yourself right now, you're not arrived. You're not there yet. Because the truth is, you're not. But the beauty of it is, We've got the rest of our lives to stay fast to the journey of becoming a woman that God has for you to be. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Then I'm going to invite Rick to come up. Father, I ask that in these final few moments that you give us the wisdom. That as a woman that they would commit themselves to becoming the woman that you would have them to be. The wife that you would have them to be. The young lady that you would have them to be. May you give them the dogged determination to be the helper, to be the leader, to be the woman that's going to change this next generation. 
Oh, Father, I pray for them today that you would encourage them. What this world would look like without them, I don't even want to imagine. Lord, let them know how much we love them. And I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Ladies, especially, would you just say amen with me? Rick, where'd you go? Are you behind me? Okay. So I've given you an opportunity. If you've got some questions, I hope they're easy questions. Uh, But Rick, what you got? What fun would easy questions be? Yes, I'm afraid of that. You have okay. a couple questions. Talk I actually got me. three for you. All right, so uh, here's the first one. It says, um, I struggle to not be that guy that you mentioned, the, the guy that says, woman, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. So what are some practical ways that I as a husband can honor and respect and value my wife as a helper? Well, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, do you, even, do you even know what her strengths are? Uh, I, I think too many times... Can I just back up? I, I think a lot of us take so much baggage into it that we don't even realize it. So maybe I would suggest that we're still hanging on to someone telling me what's wrong with me. And that many times I'm going to pass that on to the people in my life. Because the truth is, hurting people hurt people. And so to you, I would say, uh, that's an opportunity for you to be reminded how much God loves you. And how much God overlooks your sin. And His forgiveness and mercy has covered me. So why can't I do that to her? And so when we model forgiveness and grace to her, you know what? I think it's going to be reciprocated. Amen. Okay. Question number two, you, um, you mentioned this a minute ago, and um, uh, some of us have seen this on Facebook. You, you posted for your mom and it said, hashtag still following your example. Uh, can you share one of the most influential things that your mom has impressed on you in your life? One of the, one of the most valuable lessons you've taken from your mom. Absolutely. And she's back in the back and she's going to get me for this when I get home. So thank you. But let me tell you something about my mother. My mom outserves everybody in this room. I, I'm not kidding you. Uh, in my previous church where my mom had come and been a member, it was such a problem when I would pull in the parking lot and my mom had beaten me to the office. And she didn't even work there. And so what an incredible uh, working uh, ethic that she has in ministry and loving people. And all I did was just follow that. So uh, she's modeled that for me. And that's why I, I, I want to model that in my own home. So I'm still following her. I am still hanging on to her coattails. And number one, she's the most, she demonstrates the most unconditional love she has towards people than anyone I've ever known. But she's the hardest working woman I've ever known either. So if I can just hang on to her for a little while longer, I'm going to go somewhere. Awesome. All right, last one we have um, in the context of talking hey, about. Hey, hold on. So, Mom, will you add my part of the last will and testament for saying that? I'd appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Need a pen? Yeah. We can, we can... Here you go. Here you go. All right, so the last question is this. In the context of, talk, of speaking of the husband as a spiritual leader and the wife as the God-ordained helper for him, can you tell me something that your wife has taught you? Humility, uh, that, that I don't, I'm not nearly as important as I think I am. Uh, and, and let's just face it, guys, we do. We, we think of ourselves more important uh, than I'm always right. Um, and, she, and she's really good. And, and not, I don't say that to be, to be ugly. I mean, she... She's reminded me that I need the gospel. I need the grace of God. I need forgiveness. But, but it goes back to the other question. Because in the process of reminding me that I'm just as important in my own personal relationship with God, it's going to filter through everyone else in my home. So she's encouraged that. She's, she's always encouraged me. She's my biggest cheerleader. But she does. She pushes me forward. And, and I don't have a problem with that. I, you know, uh, 
I know some men who would probably say, well, you know, you should probably, you know, not let your wife run your life so much. But, but I, I encourage that because she is smarter than I am. She is much, uh, much more intelligent, very much more beautiful. Amen. Amen. But she challenges me to never stop in my relationship with the Lord because she has, I have to remind myself that I've not arrived. So I'm very grateful for that. Is that it? That's it. Praise the Lord. Hey, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you've got more questions, you can email me to Pastor Jeff at thesummitchurch.com. This is what I know. Anytime I talk about these subjects, there are couples that like to talk. And I would welcome that. I would love the opportunity to sit down with you, your husband, or maybe your wife, and we can talk about what these roles look like for you. Uh, it'd be my honor and privilege to be a part of that. Will you do me a favor? Would you allow me just to pray for us one more time? The team's going to come up and is going to dismiss us in some worship. And then we're going to allow ourselves to just, you're, you're already home, but I'm going to go home. But how about we just let me pray for us for a moment. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to hear from God's word what it means to be a woman of God. And so again for these ladies, I, I pray that in these next few moments that they commit themselves to be a helper, or that they would be an encourager. They would be self-controlled, but more importantly, kind and mentoring and challenging to the next generation. Father, we desperately need it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I told you my story, you would hear more, and then go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave.